Welcome back to another episode of Riding in the Weeds with Ginny and Tash. Today we're talking about those moments in your life where you get really stuck in the emotion of what is going on and you just can't find your way to a solution. For my biking clients, it looks like not making it over that rock mean that you're a failure and that you can't do things. For Ginny, she notices that when her clients' dogs won't stop barking and yet the owner is frustrated that they're doing something wrong, that they're a bad owner, they're a bad person and that spiral that we go into. So we're gonna talk about that spiral, why it comes up and then give you some great tools as to how you can get out of that spiral and become a detective in your own life. Let's get rolling. How are you doing today, Jenny? I'm doing all right, Tosh. How are you? I am doing good, thank you. Yeah, it's a good Wednesday. Hump day. Here we go. (laughs) So let's talk about this a little bit. It's never really what you think it's about. So how do you see this coming up in your own life, in your client's life, with the horses? Let's start with some fun stories. Yeah, Uh, stories. Got lots of stories. Personally, this came up with my own horse, Storm. He's a big horse, he's a draft. And so his size is intimidating alone. And when he gets scared, it feels like he's even bigger. And that used to really trigger me. And I struggled with that over the years. He would react to things that don't mean anything. You know, the breeze blows. I mean, horses have a reputation for being that way anyway but they aren't all that way and they don't all have to be that way. And frankly, wild horses are not generally that way. So the question is what was going on in my situation because other people could handle my horse, but I struggled to handle my horse. And it took a friend of mine that's an energy healer to finally realize that what was really going on was that when he would get scared, I would get scared. And when I would get scared, that would validate his fear and therefore he would be more afraid. And now I'm gonna be more afraid. And so we just spent the time escalating off of each other. And that's rough, you know? It's pretty um, humbling when other people can handle your horse and you can't. And it brings up a lot of issues for myself, but It's also very easy in those situations to get really upset with the animal and to blame them and want to fix them. But the thing is, until you're able to really look internally and figure out what's going on, you'll never resolve that situation. And like you mentioned, I see it a lot with clients and their dogs. And this used to happen with my dogs years ago when I had them when they were still alive. They would start barking and that would irritate me or make me anxious or just not feel good. It's not exactly the most fun to have a dog yapping in your ear. It's loud, right? That's not fun. And most of the clients come to me and they want their dogs to behave. But until you can recognize that you're having an emotional response to that situation, then the dog's behavior is not going to shift. It happens everywhere in life though. We have a lot of these experiences where if we can pause and get a little introspective on the situation, we can recognize our own contribution to the situation that can help shift things. Yeah, absolutely. 
so many things that you said in there that I want to dig into a little more. At first, I'm going to bring in my mountain biking coaching experience. And what I really found with the mountain bike was that your mountain bike can actually be your best therapist. Because unlike what you're talking about, which is animals that have their own personalities. So as you were saying, if your energies trigger their energies, their energies trigger your energies. Now you've got like a relationship going on with another being, whether it's an animal or your spouse or a friend that has its own thing. And we really have to figure out how to center ourselves before we continue on with any of those relationships, because it is never what you think it's about. There was a great video years ago that was, it's not about the nail. And this girl is sitting there, she's got a nail in her head and she's talking to her partner about how she's got headaches. And if you've seen this video, it's hilarious. He basically is like, yeah, but, and she just keeps saying, it's not about the nail, all right? I've got these headaches and it's just so very much the reality of life. It's not about the nail. Yeah, you know what? If you remove the nail out of the center of your forehead, you probably wouldn't have the headaches anymore. But she's so unwilling to go into the actual thing that's really creating the problem because she wants to try and fix all of these other things that are going on. And so that's what I really find with our mountain biking experience. It's the same thing, but there isn't another person. There isn't another energy involved. You're literally getting mad about the bike not working for you or the trail throwing challenges at you. And I think when you are getting really upset about not being able to make it over a rock or not being able to clean that uphill trail, then we have an opportunity to really look at ourselves and be like, why is this such a problem for me? Because we're literally riding a bike. The bike is not trying to upset us. The trail is not trying to upset us. And when we make something that we can't do mean something about us, that is such a huge opportunity to go, hey, there's something else going on here and giving us that opportunity to dig in versus that mistake that we make where we're trying to fix the problem. And as you have pointed out to me, Jenny, on so many different occasions, and I think helped me to get to thinking this is a great topic to talk about, was that I get into these situations where I'm like, well, I've got to fix this problem. And this is a problem I've got to fix. And you're like, you know what, Tash? Maybe you don't need to fix it. Maybe you just need to sit with it. Maybe there's actually more here. And maybe it isn't about fixing. I love that because I think as people, as humans, it's our nature to immediately go into fixing the problem. It's like, I want to fix my dog's barking or my fix my horse's reactivity or fix the bike. The bike's not working for me. How many people do we see? I'm sure you've seen this before that like, oh, I want a different bike. This bike isn't working for me. You know, it's not good enough. Like, wow. What's not good enough here? Is it the bike or is it your bike skills? Which again, means nothing about you. And one of the things that was really impactful for me is to recognize that I am not my emotions. 
I am experiencing my emotions. And just because I have an emotion does not mean that I necessarily need to react or respond or do anything. And when I came to that realization, it helps to be able to step back and separate myself and what I am thinking about and feeling about from the situation. And there's no reason that you have to have a response. If someone's angry or if someone's road raging in front of you, you don't actually have to have a response to that. You don't have to have a response to your dog barking. You don't need to. It, sometimes it is very hard not to. <laughs> and you're not wrong if you do necessarily, but it's that awareness of can I? Can I just sit here next to my dog barking? That to me is the absolute definition of holding space. Holding space for someone or something is being able to be in the experience with them and not necessarily having your own response. And when it comes to our animals and our own personal relationships, that is hard. Often have an empathetic response. We don't want that dog to keep barking. It's stressful for the dog, right? It's stressful for the horse to be afraid. We want them to not feel that feeling. But we can't take that away from them either. All we can do is hold our own space and hold our own center. Yeah. And even our relationship with ourselves, I think, comes into that. And then we can take that and we can look at how it relates to ourselves. So when we were talking earlier, it's like digging into the energy or the situation. And if we can actually remove the energy and make it neutral then we're able to become a detective then we're able to actually stop and be like wow I'm really upset right now because I didn't get over that root or that rock or I wasn't able to master that technique that somebody is trying to show me when you come into working with a coach or a trainer or anyone external to you, whether it's with your animals, whether it's learning a new skill on your bicycle, in your business, whatever it is. I don't know if you've noticed this, and listeners, I'm pretty sure you've got to have noticed this. But the coaches normalize it. Yeah, everybody goes through this. When I'm teaching people biking, I'm literally teaching the same things over and over again, regardless of what level you're at. You're just at another point in the funnel, in the cycle, and you are being taught the same things. It is the exact same problems that I have seen over and over again for 15 years, which is why I'm now able to pick it up way faster, diagnose it way quicker, look at you personally, see what sort of learner you are, see what sort of reaction you have to things, and help you personally deal with a situation that everybody goes through. And that, I think, is why having that external person can be so helpful in every single area of our lives because it normalizes it, which enables you to deactivate, remove that energy, and then again become a detective. Like, okay, so I'm gaining weight. Oh, yeah, you're perimenopausal. That is normal for somebody in the 40 to 50-year-old age group. Okay, that's happening for everybody. Right. There's nothing wrong with me. I don't need to fix myself. I'm having a common problem. Now, it's annoying because I want to be extraordinary and I don't want to have common problems. 
<laughs> so there we go. That's why I'm upset, right? Or whatever it is. And so you can really start to see. But as soon as you neutralize that energy, then you're able to move out of the fixing it and you become a detective. A really fun situation that I have in my personal relationship is something goes missing and I can't find it. And so I'll say to my husband, I'm like, so honey, do you know where this is? And he gets really defensive. I don't know where it is. I didn't touch it. And I'm like, you may or may not have touched it. I may or may not have touched it. However, if we were two police officers and we were trying to figure out where it went, we got to go back to the last time. When was the last time you saw it? Because if I can get a read on where it was last, I can then think about where it was for me and I can start to unravel the puzzle. And without the energy of you lost it, I lost it, don't know where it is anymore, we can start to work backwards to see where it might be. And it doesn't matter anything that happened in the past, it's purely like how are we going to solve this mystery and move forward into finding the thing. I think that's one of our sort of perpetual flaws as humans is we love to make things mean something. Your husband's automatic response was, I didn't do it. But in reality, not knowing where something is means nothing about who he is as a person or what he may or may not have done. And I see this over and over again with animals, with people. I'm positive you see it on the bikes that we make things mean something when they don't. And this is one of the valuable lessons that the animals affirm to me over and over and over again. Uh, people always want to know is my animal in pain? How are they feeling about an ailment that they may have, an illness or cancer or something? How are they feeling about that? And majority of the time, the animals aren't feeling anything about it because a physical body experience doesn't mean anything emotionally to them. Pain doesn't mean anything emotionally to them. When we're in pain, we automatically go to, I'm old, I'm weak, I'm not healthy all of these things that mean something about the pain. Pain is pain. It's your body communicating to you that something needs to be done differently. That's all it is. It doesn't mean anything about who you are morally or ethically or anything else. And I think that's one of the big ways we get hung up is if we can stop making things mean something, anything, it doesn't mean anything then we'll be able to move through life a lot more smoothly because we can observe and go, hmm, something's missing, wonder where it went, and then go look for it and it means nothing. Or say, gee, my body is experiencing this feeling, pain or weight gain or something is different about my body and my body experience at the moment, I wonder where that's coming from. It doesn't mean anything. And then when we go ask questions, we can find out, oh, hey, I'm in an age bracket where these kinds of changes are likely to happen. Maybe there's ways to work with it. It might mean you need to change something about what you do, whether that's your exercise routine or your diet or something. But it doesn't mean anything about you morally or as a person. Or your ability to change the outcome by just changing a few key things which you cannot find if you're stuck in self-pity self-hate 
self-flagellation, whipping ourselves for being bad humans. And I just love everything that you just said. It's, it's so very, very true. One of the things my husband has really taught me, he's a walking paraplegic and he's walking through the background right now. And he, <laughs> we started doing things and I would I'd watch him and I would see at what point he would start to blame the disability. And I took a moment to unravel this and I realized that when I'm pedaling up a hill and it gets frustrating, my brain automatically tries to find something to blame. Oh, it's because I'm out of shape. Oh, it's because I'm not very good at riding up the hill. Oh, I need to do this. I need to change this. I need to fix something. And my brain wants to attach a reason to this negative experience I'm ha having. It can't just automatically go, man, this is a steep hill. <laughs> and it's hard riding up here. Instead, it wants to attach. And I started doing things. And at that point where I would feel the energy of my husband going to, because when you're disabled, you've got a real good scapegoat for pretty much anything that doesn't quite work out, right? Oh, it's because I'm disabled. It's kind of like if you're overweight. It's very easy to just blame the fact that you're overweight. And there are a lot of people that are disabled, that are overweight, that are underweight, that have all these different things that are moving through and, and making whatever they want to make happen, happen for them. So when we create that habit of blaming ourselves, it doesn't allow us to move through and it doesn't allow us to see the other side. And I'm just going to briefly bring up, you mentioned the word triggers, which is effectively what we're talking about without really going into that conversation, because that's a big ball of wax. But on the other side of triggers, there's this thing they've started to talk about, which is glimmers. And glimmers is the exact opposite. As humans, we take 10 seconds to create a negative or less than that, a negative memory. Whereas it takes 30 seconds or more for us to create a positive memory. And the idea of glimmers is every time something awesome happens in your day-to-day -day life, to actually take the moment and attach to it, to anchor into it and give it space because we don't have to give the trigger any space. But actually what we should be doing is giving space to the trigger to be like, hold on a moment. What just happened there? Why did that trigger me? Go into it, allow it to become neutral and move forward. But again, just bringing up that idea of the more that we can practice going into the glimmers and attaching to the glimmers, the less those triggers are going to affect us and yeah. stop us and not be neutral. And the more we habit to it, again, back to that disabled thing, the more we create a habit of blaming the easy things to blame, then all we're doing is blaming them. And then how do we get out of them? Because we'll, if we change it, now what are we going to blame? I mean, if you're in exceptional shape and you are the best biker out there and you know all the skills and you should be fast and you're really fit and you're really strong and you still don't make it around that corner, now, now what do you do? Now what are you going to blame? Yeah. And this brings up a point that 
we do need to remember that our bodies and our chemistry are going to default back to what we know the most. So I have a friend that I follow who calls it the bartender in your brain. And when you start trying to make decisions that are different from the way you have made decisions before, if you're consciously trying not to get pulled down into the same feeling, it's hard. It is so hard because you're working against the familiar chemistry and your brain is like, well, we don't make the nice happy cocktail. That's not on the menu. It's never been on the menu and I don't even know why you're bringing it up. And so you're going to have to insist that no, we're going to we're going to stick with the nice happy cocktail or we're going to stick with something that's a little bit better than what we've been doing before. And that's hard. Right? That is so hard. But one of the things that has come up for me recently that it's so easy to get bogged down into the never making progress feeling and to, you know, well, I struggle going up hills on my bike. Yeah, I always struggle going up hills on my bike. And to write that same story so that every single time you encounter a struggle, then you're writing the story that that's always what happens. And you never realize that, oh, gee, that hill that I used to struggle up on, I'm doing great now. And there's a bigger hill that I now have trouble with, but it's a bigger hill. So it makes sense that you would struggle with that one now. And I see this a lot with animals, that it's the same thing, that you don't ever realize the things that are different or better that are happening in your life. And I follow a lady who, I believe her page title is The Red Mare. And she was talking about the mundane things. And this is something that, again, has has come up recently for me that can you relish the mundane things? Because there's an awful lot of things that I do with my horse, my horses, the horses that I work that are in my life that I could not do years ago. But are you able to relish that? And many of those activities are very mundane. The horse bell that just crossed the rainbow bridge last week, she struggled picking up her feet for a while. It was very difficult for her. It was physically difficult. It was not a behavior issue. It was not obstinance or anything. It wasn't any sort of training problem. She was physically having trouble holding her feet up for the farrier. And one day we were in the barn trying to get her trimmed and someone wanted the space we were in. It was sort of a wash area and she wanted to be able to hose down her horse. And we were like, look, we need to give her room because this is hard for her. And she sort of scoffed and rolled her eyes. But what she didn't realize is all the struggle that we had had the years prior, that where she was that day was a massive improvement. But she discounted it because she didn't know about all the struggle that we'd been through. And we do that to ourselves all the time as we ignore all the other struggle and just focus on what's happening now. And we're like, well, this is not good enough. And if you can figure out how to relish the mundane things, the daily things that may have been hard for you at one time, that's where there's a huge amount of benefit. And just being able to do normal horse chores with ease when the horses behave well, and things go smooth and nothing happens. Just being able to stand there with them while they eat. Like those are the moments that are golden. And somebody may not realize how hard it was to get there. And that's why I think we need to be careful with each other. 
and make sure that we aren't discounting what someone can do because we may not be aware of how hard they fought to get where they are that day. But we also need to yeah. be gentle with ourselves about it because it's the same experience. Right? It's so funny that we're always seeing those memes that are like, be kind, smile at somebody because you have no idea what they're dealing with that day. However, how often do you smile at yourself when you know exactly what you're dealing with? You know exactly what you've gone through, but you can't give yourself a break. So how do we expect to go out in the world and give other people a break, right? It's, it really comes back to, it's never about what you think it's about. You know, the guy who snarky at the grocery store or whatever, like you just don't know what other people's days or lives are going on. And if we can actually bring that back into our own center and say, you do know what's actually going on with you. Something that's been really, really helping for me lately is a mindset trick that came from one of my coaches I'm following. And it is basically that everything always works out for me. So when I'm in a space of worrying or stressing or just digging into those places of, oh my God, I can't believe this isn't working. I'm like, you know what? Everything always works out for me. So this is going to be okay. There is something going on that I cannot see that this is a key part of. And it centers me, it aligns me, and allows me to come back to focusing on what it is that I need to do to move forward in any situation. If we can get back to neutral, if we're not neutral, we can't solve the problem. If we're in a disagreement with our spouse and we're yelling at each other, nothing's ever going to get solved. If we can come back to a neutral emotional state, probably by walking away and coming back later, then we're able to work through whatever the issue is. And certainly if you're on a bike, like there's a rule. You try the thing three times, you don't get it, you move on. Because all you're going to do is cement in that you can't do it. And you're going to get more frustrated and more upset. And then, you know what? Chances are you're going to hurt yourself. So you, you walk away and you go, you know what? Rock's been there for a long time. Rock will be here next time I come. And then you can work on like, okay, what are the skills I need to come back to that and actually achieve it? So maybe you go and find a smaller rock. You go and redo something that you do really well, get that confidence back. And then think about, okay, what are the tools? What are the things that I can take, practice, and go back and do it again? Because I promise you, if you had a coach watching, they'd be able to tell you, look, you know what? We've just ridden for the last two hours. You're tired. It's probably not the right time to push it. It's probably not working because you're just tired. And other people can see that. So how do we create that external third party view for ourselves to allow ourselves to be neutral when we get stuck in the emotions then we're stuck in the emotions i always like to remind people that if you are getting that emotive about a situation especially when it's something like not being able to do something on your bicycle then there is something under the hood if you're getting that upset about weight gain and you start to make it all about yourself and that you're broken and that you need to fix yourself and that you're a failure and you start to go down the rabbit hole of actually tearing yourself personally apart, it is 
time for you to stop and see what else is going on in your life that needs to be addressed because that particular situation should not lead us into that myriad of self-hate that it does, whether it's a bicycle or even failing at your business or not making the sale or not having enough Instagram reach on your posts. It's not about you. There are generally actions you can take to do something different, look at the data, figure it out. Become a detective, become a scientist. Remove the emotion. And I would say in conjunction with that, it's not even just about turning that energy inward. It's also about turning the energy outward. If you are blaming your pet or you're feeling really super triggered by your pet's behavior for whatever reason, like, oh my God, the dog won't stop barking. It's the same thing. One is just external and one is internal. So it's time to look there and go, how is my energy contributing to this situation? What am I bringing to the table? What am I feeling and where might that have come from in my past? Oftentimes we can trace it all the way back to being a little kid. And a lot of times it's being a little kid out of control. And I feel like many times these situations are us striving for control in our lives. The challenge is it's coming out in a place that it's not super healthy. It's not super appropriate. You'll never truly control your pet. Ain't happening. They're another being. They have their own thoughts, their own emotions, their own responses to things. And the first step is to manage your own emotions and responses to things. And the same is true of riding your bike. The same is true of weight gain. The same is true of being triggered by the guy who's short at the grocery store or the person who cuts you off in traffic. They're all external situations that don't mean anything about you as a human or your worth. Yep. And if we can look at them that way and go, huh, that's interesting. I'm having a really strong reaction to this situation. I wonder what's going on. Then we'll be able to get through it. We'll be able to make a change. And the sheer act sometimes of acknowledging how you are feeling about something is enough to often make a change. That is exactly what happened with my horse. As soon as I was able to acknowledge that I was really scared, his behavior was scaring me, he dramatically calmed down instantly because I owned how I was feeling. I was no longer trying to hide that I was afraid or pretend it was something else. And when we can acknowledge that, then frequently it ripples out around us and a lot of things will just resolve. If you're trying to get up a hill or you're trying to do a feature over rocks or roots or whatever that's challenging, even down a hill, if you're not owning that you're scared, this is gonna be a lot harder to get through that. The minute you're like, yeah, I am terrified right now and I would like to learn to do it anyway, you're gonna be able to make so much more progress So whatever it is that you're feeling, if you can name it, that's going to help move you along 10 times faster than if you continue blaming the dog, if you continue berating yourself for gaining weight or not being able to do the thing or whatever it is, or you're angry at the person in traffic. 
owning that internally helps to be able to move through it that much faster. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really good note to, to finish on. It's really just taking ownership and not trying to push through, not trying to overcome, not trying to fix it in that pushing, fixing, frustrated energy, becoming neutral and then figuring out owning it so that you can name it and then being able to move through. I did want to share one little quick thing that you reminded me of. Our situation with our dog in the last couple of weeks, it was really interesting because his behavior changed. And both of us were like, oh, this is what everybody has told us happens when you get to that point where you might want to consider getting your dog neutered. And with our dog, is a big dog, so we've been suggested to go as long as possible. And we've monitored the behavior and we've monitored any changes and we've gotten almost to two years which is amazing and his behavior started to change and I actually have had a couple of people over the last couple of weeks have made comments to me during a time when I've been struggling with my dog trying to manage him in a situation and I have been able to just let it roll off of me because I know what's going on. I'm aware. And you can say whatever you want to say. You can have your own opinion. But I got my own opinion. And I've got my own ideas. And I think I have been doing a pretty good job of managing the situation. And we'll see. I'll update you. And if this isn't the complete solution to what's been going on, then we will detective a little more. My husband's been working on training and it's like when you're bloated during your period and I always think it's like, oh, if I can actually lose a little bit of weight during my period, (laughs) then I get a head start because we know we're in this space, right? And it's the same thing with my husband. He's like, well, the dog's out of sorts. So I am going to dig in and do a bit more training. And if he can actually make an impact on the dog's behavior whilst he's in this out of sorts space, then when he's less out of sorts, then that is going to have made an even bigger impact overall. And it's just been really cool to be in this situation where I'm like, yeah, buddy, you can have that opinion, but I'm pretty sure that's not what's going on over here. And if I can put that into every area of my life, and if we can all create that in every area of our lives, things become so much easier. The world would be a dramatically different place. (laughs) Absolutely. And if nothing else, you'll just be happier. And that, I think, is all that really matters. It's not the external. It's not how much money you have. It's not how big your house is. None of that matters if the internal space is constantly looking for excuses as to why you suck. Because you'll just keep feeling like you suck. Yep. 100%. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today for our episode. Really digging into, you know what, it's never really what you think it's about. So finding out what it is. I am Natasha Lucky. You can find me on Instagram at Betty Gohard and you can find me on Facebook, Natasha Lucky. What I really do in the world is I help women rip up the rule book, 
find their center so that they can blaze their own path, know where they're going, and be able to re-center and align when they get lost in the weeds, when the trail isn't quite where they think it's going to be. So reach out to me if I can help. I offer one-on-one free discovery sessions, and I would love to chat. Yeah, I'm Jenny Brandon. I'm an animal communicator and energy healer for animals and their people too. And if you're having behavior challenges or emotional challenges with your pets, that's where my specialty lies. I have lived through it with my animals and I don't want anyone else to struggle. So hit me up. I am on the web at soulpetconnections.com and on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube under the same handle. We are so grateful to have you watching and listening with us today. You can find us at ridinginTheweeds.com and on all major podcast platforms. Please like, comment, subscribe, and let us know if you would like to hear from us on any specific topics or if you have questions, we would love to dig in. So thank you again so much for joining us today and we'll see you next time. Yeah, sending you all lots of love. Thank you for your support. We'll see you on the next one.